leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome, everyone, and we're starting another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. I'm a little bit off my game today, but we will get this show rolling. So today we have Pete with us, and Pete comes from a different background. I wanted to bring in another recruiter so that we could talk about the ways that we hire both executive talent as well as other talent within this space and get more insights from them. So if you're listening to us live on LinkedIn, follow myself, follow Pete. If you're listening to us live on YouTube, hit that notification button, the subscribe button, and then the notification button down below. If you're following us on Twitch, ensure to follow us and submit your questions. We will try to answer what we can live and after the fact and have a good old show. So Pete, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you interested in cybersecurity. Awesome. Well, um, I guess about 2014, I didn't even know what cybersecurity was. So I'm actually coming up on my eight-year anniversary in the field. It'll be July 14th. Um, I started off as a tech recruiter for K-Force, um, working on like systems architects and developer roles and stuff like that. Um, then I got approached by uh, the CEO of a former company that I had joined called Align. They're an IT audit shop. Uh, they did pen testing as well. And I was uh, employee number 15 over there. Um, basically taught myself all the security terminology and taught myself the industry. And that's where I cut my teeth in security. Uh, helped them hire over 100 people in two and a half years. Um, also stood up their HR department and campus recruiting program and developed an applicant tracking system from scratch and uh, built a certification tracking system from scratch. So I got to be really intimately familiar with all the security certifications out there, at least in the audit GRC space. Um, and then from there, I uh, went and started InfoSec Hires. That was my first uh, security recruiting firm. And now I'm on my second uh, InfoSec Connect. And uh, we've been helping companies hire security people for so many years now, it seems like. So, uh, yeah, that's my story. Wow. Um, that's quite interesting. When it comes to 
we'll stick on the security side, but what are some of the the interesting things you've learned about recruiting in security? Let's start there versus other niches. Sure. Yeah, I found that security recruiting is completely different, and the generalist recruiters that don't understand the security field they struggle because they don't understand a lot of the mindsets, a lot of the intangibles when it comes to uh, recruiting security people. Uh, there's a fundamental difference between hiring a security engineer and an accountant. Uh, so I think a lot of the issues we see with recruiting and security is the recruiters are generalists and not specialists. So that's why I think it helps to have people like me that really, and Joe Hudson, I'm sure you guys have had on, uh, that really understand the security industry intimately and can help guide people and help hiring managers uh, just expectations when needed and and stuff like that. Um, so I would say there's a few things like there's an element of ego, I think, for especially uh, people that have been in the security field for a number of years. Uh, there's also just the fact that there's such a shortage of the experienced folks that the demand is so high that you end up having people that get a little bit full of themselves because everybody wants to hire them. And I've found that, uh, especially for security roles, hiring managers have a very narrow set of expectations as far as what that ideal candidate might look like, um, even more so than in tech, for instance. And it seems like there's a lot more intangibles in security hiring than there there would be in tech. Like if you're hiring a developer, you know, they have to know X, Y, and Z language and X, Y, and Z framework, and it's pretty straightforward. Uh, in security, there's so many deep specialties, but then you have people that are generalists and, and a lot of times hiring managers are looking for all of that in the same person. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess that that's what I'm. Interesting. Well, welcome, Renee Small, our other uh, super recruiter here on the show. Um, Pete, you were just mentioning uh, some of the expectations that you have to help reset for hiring managers what are some of the, the common expectations that you will have to help hiring managers understand and help them reset when they're recruiting for security talent? Well, I, I think it, it depends on the company, obviously, but there's a few common themes that we see pretty often. Uh, the job descriptions tend to be just too needy overall. Uh, they maybe grew their own talent and that person was there for a few years. And so they accumulated a bunch of different responsibilities that doesn't exist in any person outside of the organization. So that happens pretty often. Um, a lot of times we'll have interview processes that'll last five, six rounds, maybe with an assignment thrown in there. Uh, and when people are having four or five offers thrown at them all at once, it's it's kind of hard to land the best people if they have that many options. Um, in my experience, people usually take the path of least resistance. As long as that's a good job and a good offer, they're going to go that route versus jumping through a bunch of hoops. Um, so that's that's certainly something I've seen. That, that definitely makes sense. And shout out to some of our live audiences. Um, hi, Mariello, live team uh, from Atlanta, Georgia. Then we have Bernard from Virginia. And uh, Mar Marcelio is saying hi. Um, in regards to taking the, the path of least resistance for candidates, do you, do you feel that there's really... A, a shortage of candidates or 
are, like you mentioned, the expectations too high, too specific? Um, what are your thoughts there? Well, I forgot to mention too, there's a lot of, we only want to hire somebody from a direct competitor doing this exact job today. Uh, and that's another problem. Don't get me started on, but um, I'm sorry. What was the question again? Uh, so is there really a shortage of cybersecurity people or is it just a, a misalignment of expectations like you were talking about or poaching um, where you're, you're l- trying to only hire from a limited talent pool and therefore you have an artificial shortage versus a true shortage where you just don't have enough people in the workforce in general? Yeah, a little of column A, a little, little of uh, column B for sure. Um, I've actually graphed this. <laughs> I wish I could throw it up on the screen, um, but I call it the talent bottleneck, where essentially you have thousands upon thousands of people trying to break into the industry and they're struggling uh, because there just aren't enough entry-level jobs. But then you have a shortage at the mid, mid to senior individual contributor level, um, and that's really where the shortage is. Uh, but if we don't start hiring into those entry-level roles and training them up in five, 10 years when a lot more of uh, the boomers and Gen X retire, the shortages are going to get so much worse. So I'm not sure what the solution is to that, but I know we, we have to start addressing it. Um, so yeah, the shortage really is at the mid to senior individual contributor level. I think we have enough executives. I think we have enough management. Um, and we certainly have enough entry-level folks to meet the current demand. Um, but like I said, we got to open up more entry-level jobs. Renee, looks like you had something to say. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I sound like I'm repeat. He sounds like a carbon copy of what? <laughs> Do they still say carbon copy? What is it? Broken record? <laughs> like what I say all the time. So, um, copy. He, we use this paper to make carbon copies. Exactly. Exactly. And so have, have you heard from leaders i can imagine that you inter- interact with you know all a lot of them in this um in your work in your current work so i'm curious about if they have has anyone made i mean we, we all may, are making the observation we know we have a ton of people in the entry we have a, a decent amount of people in at the executive levels but that mid-careers piece is the part where the struggle is coming in um have you heard from leaders and what their you know, recommendations are or any kind of, you know, I feel like there's this, this, we, we get, we hear a lot about the challenge. We hear a a lot about, um, you know, people trying to get in and, and the, the struggles there, but the mid management obviously is the part in the senior, like the tech leads, the senior level or experienced hires are the ones that we really need. Have you heard anything from managers or leaders, really the executives, in terms of what they think the solution is for that? I have this, I think what is the solution. I haven't really heard any other folks talking about solutions. Again, like you said, everybody's identifying the problem. That's that's not an issue. Um, but we definitely need more solutions. I personally think what we need is more MSSPs because they can get their investment back after they've trained somebody because those people are profit generating versus cost centers with most security teams. I think the onus is on MSSPs to train and grow their own. Um, I've personally evangelized with my MSSP clients to do that. Um, a lot of times we get pushback though. Uh, the, the response to that is usually, 
well, you know, what happens if we train a bunch of people and then they leave in a year because they have so many options now? Um, so that's the main rebuttal, I think, to that that argument and that idea of training folks at the entry level. Uh, but we got to figure it out somehow. I don't know if it's um, government regulation that, that could uh, solve this issue. Uh, I, I almost feel like we have to somehow engineer a market force that encourages the MSSPs to train people um, and the security consulting firms and the CPA firms. I work with a lot of consulting firms and that's one way that I advise people to break into the industry is go work for an MSSP or a consulting firm because they'll get their investment back on you. So they're more likely to hire you at the entry level. And there's a lot of campus recruiting programs and stuff like that with the big four and the smaller firms and stuff like that. I, I think that's really where we have to go. Um, if, you know, say a hiring manager at Visa is hiring uh, a security engineer and they have limited budget and they can't hire two people, they can't hire somebody entry level. They have a knowledge gap that they need to fill. And there's just no way for them to justify hiring an entry level person. They don't have any anybody to train that person. Um, they, they don't have room to hire two people. So what do you do? Um, so that's why I think the only thing that makes sense is to have the companies that can make their money back on training folks do that. Um, how we push them into doing that, I'm not sure. I've been trying to do it little by little <laughs> in one connection at a, at a time, as my tagline says, uh, encouraging hiring, man hiring managers to do that. So, I, I think a, a great way to do that is what we've been talking about, the apprenticeship approach where you're, you're even subsidizing their entry-level folks because you're still in college. They they don't have as many offers as those that are college graduates and might be out there. So you're doing that on-the-job training, getting the certs, and at a reduced cost, and that allows them to uh, get more, train more at a lower cost. And the Department of Commerce helps uh, do a lot of those, uh, Department of Labor, sorry, uh, helps do a lot of those. But I, I know people don't like taking the government money for all the strings that comes attached, but you, you could, they could always do it themselves. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the big challenge for anybody is that it, it's a huge time investment to sink into a candidate that if you you know, you don't know if they're going to stick around for longer than six months once they get mm -hmm. that experience. So I think to combat a lot of that, you have to figure out a way to keep people um, once you've invested in training them. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways to do that. And I think that's an often overlooked piece of all of this is that companies aren't focusing enough on retaining people um, and they're reactive in their hiring versus proactive in succession planning. I I uh, listened to one of your guys' episodes where he had an executive on, and he was talking about how he basically manages to hire all entry-level people because he's training the higher-ups to move into their boss's position when they get promoted or leave, and then basically goes on down the line promoting people until he has an entry-level opening. Um, that was an awesome technique. I, I wish every company would do that. That's a really, really good idea. Um but yeah, finding a way to justify training people, I think, is the hardest piece. And a good way to do that is ensure that you're keeping people. So, you know, really emphasizing benefits, being flexible, um, 
that's the big thing that everybody can do and it's cheap it's just give people flexible work arrangements or remote work doesn't cost you anything to do that and everybody wants it anyway uh recognition programs again that can be just a free thing that you're recognizing people for their work but uh, that has a, a great impact on employee retention and satisfaction um so those are just a few ideas i guess yeah definitely and one of the comments we have uh companies like ncc group have internship programs where they aim to hire people with experience in different pen testing, internal training on board, and under the supervision of of other programs. Yeah, we, we mentioned that a lot of consulting companies do that. Um, definitely a plug there for one, but um, many of the consulting companies do that. So if you are getting into this space, definitely consider them. Um, another comment was, uh, consider offering incentives for employees to get to higher level certifications and staying. I know some of the companies that I've worked for, they have long-term incentive structures where if you stay for X number of years, um, you'll re receive a bonus or um, your 401k vests or things like that, that would incentivize longevity and retention. And a great thing about that, too, is you can write it into you can have the employees sign an agreement that basically says, you know, if you get the certification and then leave in three months, then you'll have to pay it back. So, you know, that can be a further retention tool as well as um, ensuring that the company's not taking a bath on the cost of that you know, $5,000 sand certification. Um, I'm not a big fan of golden handcuffs in general. I think that's kind of a toxic practice, but um, that's one, I guess, tangible solution. And the thing is, um, you will, employees, if the if the work culture is not the right fit or toxic or whatever, they'll get some other company to pay that, they, to pay that back when it comes to the incentive compensation. I mean, unless it's a huge amount of money, like, you know, I've known, I know of some folks that have gotten a hundred thousand dollar retention bonuses, $50,000 retention bonuses. Now that's yep, a different ball game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, you're going to stay for that, you know, for that year, for that six months or whatever. Um, but I think um, Pete, something you brought up and, and someone else in the comments, it's, or I think someone said, "Did you were you the one that said pay for certifications?" Oh, uh, I think yeah. Ron in the comments said pay for certifications. Pete said um, it as well. Yeah. And Pete said it as well. And it, it the definitely paying for certifications is huge um, because a lot of certifications and training, just like training overall. So I don't want to tie it to certs, but just um, overall training and growth in terms of learning um if companies just did that one thing they'd probably be able to retain so many more of their employees because when i get when they get on the phone with me and i'm talking to them about why they're looking to leave and you can see this in a dozen um various uh surveys that have been done most people, it's about the growth opportunity. It's about the lack of training. They feel like they're stagnant. They feel like they're not at the cutting edge or getting to the cutting or learning new things. So you're state, you're you know, you're feeling stagnant, which you can't be insecurity because everything moves so quickly, you know. Um, 
And I think leaders, if they put in their budget a certain amount of money for this training and development overall, um, that in and of itself would just have the the people who would be on staff would be more likely to stay if they had um, if they knew that they can continuously learn um, every year. So without the certification component. So I just want to add that. In well. uh, I would just say too, as far as retention, like when I was at Align, I was their HR guy too. So I did quarterly check-ins with people, something so small like that, either be it HR, the hiring manager. If you have like a formal sit down with your employees every quarter and really get a feel on the pulse of how the team is feeling, you'll, you'll, you'll suss out any potential toxicity that's brewing or, or, um, discontentment you know uh and it's important to catch that early before it festers and gets worse and then all of a sudden you lose your whole team um so i think even just listening to people is such a big deal a lot of people don't feel heard you know they feel that they're stagnating because their manager doesn't care and people leave their bosses as they say so yeah sorry just no add on <laughs> no, no def- definitely <laughs> I, and i i think like i i did a I was recommended a, a book recently, and we have some viewers that love when we recommend books, but um, I did a review on uh, the new One Minute Manager, um, which it's helpful to highlight the new part because it, it changed from the old One Minute Manager. Um, <laughs> and it gives some quick ways that managers can check in, advise, and um, manage their folks that everyone thinks it's so hard but it gives them some quick actionable tips and that's something that they checking in for a a minute every once in a while like that's all that they need to see that they're being seen and valued yeah or or if things are tough right now for whatever reason one of the things when i worked at k-force we had a manager that was awesome he you know even when we were struggling as a team and hated our jobs, he was there with us, you know, kind of in the trenches and making us feel like we were a cohesive unit. So a lot of those intangible sort of emotional intelligence things, um, I think make people feel heard and like they they actually matter. Um, So there's a lot of people I talk to, they feel like just a number. And if you feel like a number and you're disposable, especially in this environment with all the layoffs, um, you know, having that daily or weekly or monthly, whatever interaction with your hiring manager can really keep you happy, I think. Yeah. Here's here's a question from one of our audience members. Um, first, since you did both IT and security folks, what are some of the suggestions you would have for them to transition in when they already have potentially five to six years of experience? Yeah, um, there's a lot of people in that situation. And people that are struggling. And I think a lot of people struggle because they're approaching the job search the wrong way. Um, So, you know, if you're going out there and applying to 200 positions and they're all one click apply and each uh, position has 150 applicants, um, good chance that's not going to go anywhere. So I actually have a methodology that, that I advise people um, to target hiring managers directly on LinkedIn. I guess I can kind of lay it out here. Uh, So first thing I would say is make sure that your LinkedIn profile and your resume have some good security terms in there Uh, to get past a recruiter. It's all about keywords. So um, using those security terms, if you went and got your security plus or 
you know, if you're doing uh, identity and access management, um, Active Directory, stuff like that, you can really put your security terms in your resume. Um, and then once you have that, you want to reach out to hiring managers on LinkedIn. So if you see a job posting that looks interesting, instead of just applying to the job, go to the company that has the job, their LinkedIn page. Uh, once you're there, you click on employees. It'll be a hyperlink that'll list every single employee working at that company. You can filter by location. Um, and then once you have that, you can type in what you think the hiring manager's job title might be. So say it's a security engineer role. Uh, that hiring manager would probably be director, director of security engineering, manager of security engineering, uh, director of security operations, uh, security operations manager. Could be anything like that. You can try a few different options. And you should be able to find that hiring manager just by doing that. Uh, and once you do, you think you found the person, send them a connection request. You have like 200 characters say, Hey, I noticed you had a, uh, I was doing some OSINT. I noticed you had a position open for X, Y, and Z. Here's why I'm interested. Uh, here's why I think I'm a good fit and just send them a connection request. And I've had a lot of people find success with that beyond just applying to jobs online. Um, and then another tip I would say. Uh, join all of the Discord channels out there. There's a million of them. Uh, if you go to accesscyber.org slash resources, they have a whole list of Discord channels. So there's one for DFIR. There's one for offensive security. Um, there's a bunch of them out there. Wild West Hack Infest, um, BHIS, Black Hills Information Security has a Discord. Uh, and then you can ask your LinkedIn network if they have some good good discord channels for you as well and there you can you can network with people in the security field already you can ask hiring managers questions most of them have mentorship um, sections in their channels uh, and then you can view job postings on there as well perfect share, share that link in in the chat and i'll share that out with everyone uh we have about time for one more question um but before that let's highlight some comments um, Renee, hope all is well. Thank you for hosting this useful and timely event. Uh, we do this every Thursday at 1 p.m. live. Um, every Thursday. And then Renee posting back, happy to see them. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, but Pete, once for... I don't have to run the whole thing, so I can roll her back. <laughs> I can say hi. This is great. Gonna have hey, Chris run this show going forward. <laughs> No problem. Oh my God. Hey, P, for someone trying to break into the IT space, is GRC recommended? If yes, do you have an ideal path such, such as training or required knowledge? Uh, there's the barriers to entry to GRC, I, I think in general, are a lot lower than like security operations. So I think even people that are trying to break into working in a SOC, GRC would be a good place to start um, just because the barriers to entry are lower and there's a lot of consulting firms that will train people in the GRC space. Um, so like I said, there's a ton of them with campus recruiting programs. The big four, Align's got a big one. Now Shellman's doing a uh, campus recruiting and, and training program. Uh, it's a good place to start. I would say, depending on what your background is, my advice would change. So um, I don't know if you have an IT background already or you know what, what you're current statuses that would be helpful well, yeah they he mentioned they had it background no he said he's trying to break into the it space so he oh, may not yeah. have Oops. yeah he may not have um 
an IT background. And Pete, I also want to add in, because I know you talk a lot about um, the campus recruitment efforts, which I think are fantastic. And I agree with you. I've been a campus recruiter, like been literally on campuses, have done that, not in security, but have done it um, and have been a re recipient. Like that's how I got my first internship and my first job was through campus recruitment um, efforts. So it's definitely useful, but the the challenge sometimes is for people who are not, you know, we tend to get people who are also mid-career who are making that transition as well as, um, so we have the early career, so people with zero experience then and, and are in college. And then we have some folks that are like going to school while they're working. So that may, you know, as much as that may be helpful for them too, um, we we always try to think about the folks who are transitioning, who are already in the job. So they may be making, you know, a hundred grand, whatever. They're like seasoned in their role and trying to make their transition. So um, I would also military. ask military folks, things like that, like for folks that are not going through that, going up that path. So I don't know when you were in your HR role, seeing people coming in from that way, like sideways, if you had any, um, if you have any recommendations for them too, because we get, we tend to tend to get a combination of those three elements trying to break into security. Gotcha. Yeah. When, when I was running the campus recruiting program, we actually got second career, mid-career folks as well that would come through the program. We just called it a campus recruiting program, but basically anybody who um, needed to be trained in any way would come through that same program and they would do like a two week intensive training course when they first came on board, do the initial onboarding and then a basic primer on IT audit. So uh, a lot of the IT audit firms specifically are doing that even for, for mid-career folks. Um, you know, if you already have a background in a, in a successful career in another field, the hardest part is by far going to be the salary expectation adjustment. Um, it's so tough to want to take a, a sizable pay cut in a lot of cases. Um, there are some fields where if you have transferable skills, specific subsets of security, you're more likely to get the salary that you're accustomed to. So for instance, um, I talked to a lot of folks that are in law enforcement and they have a host-based forensics background and they end up transitioning into DFIR in the breach response uh, or into like insider threat, um, that type of thing. And they're able to secure similar salaries. It just kind of depends on, you know, what your background is. Um, so entry-level salaries in GRC, they're usually around 60,000. It may have gone up in the last few years, I would say probably 60 to 80,000 anywhere in there. Um, if there's any way you can make one of those salaries work just to break into the field, once you have a year of experience, the world is your oyster basically. So, um, you know, try to, I would say in general, have a focus on the long term. Now, obviously understand that, you know, if you have bills to pay, there's only so much you can do about that. But um, just understand that, like, in the long run, it may pay off to take a slight pay cut. Perfect. Well, I always like to ask uh, w one last question of our audience, uh, of our guests, sorry. And that is if you had one piece of sage advice for someone watching this show in the future that was looking to break into the industry, what would that be? Um, get as involved on LinkedIn as you possibly can. Um, so a lot of folks watching this, they probably already are, but connect with me and Renee and uh, my buddy Joe Hudson, uh, Chris Rides over Tyro Security, all good people, um, all very well connected in the security space. 
Naomi Buckwalter, engage with her content, and you'll see a lot of potential hiring managers seeing your comments and shares and stuff like that. Just be as active as you can and be as positive as you can. Um, stay away from the taboo topics, uh, especially when you're trying to break into the industry. Um, I know it's a lot of comments in one, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I really Great appreciate advice. it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to uh, CISO Thursdays with Breaking into Cybersecurity. Follow us on LinkedIn. Follow us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe and notification button. And then for those of you listening after the fact on podcast, give us a 10-star review on your podcast platform, five if possible, um, and then share with as many friends and family. Thank you, everyone, and have a great Thursday. Thanks. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.